Yeah, well, today we're here to, to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And let me just ask you just kind of a thoughtful question for a second. Is the resurrection real for you? I just want you to process that. Because there's a lot of people who don't believe that Jesus Christ really rose from the dead. And if you're one of those today, I'm, I'm going I'm to guess that most of you are here today because you do believe in the resurrection of Christ, but I, I'm not so naive as to believe there are probably some of you that were drugged here this morning by people who believe, and you know, you, the jury's still out for you. You're not sure if you believe or not. And you know what? I get that. I mean, to believe, first of all, that the God of all the universe would become flesh and live among us, that's kind of hard to believe. Uh, to believe that he would live a perfect life, that's hard to believe. To believe that he was crucified, well, in this world, that's probably not so hard to believe. Um, but to believe that three days later he came back from the dead, is that reality for you? If you've not settled that question, honestly, I just want to encourage you, do your research and really look thoughtfully at the facts. And I think what you're going to discover is that the evidence is overwhelming that Jesus Christ really is who he claimed to be, the Son of God in the flesh and now risen from the dead. Now, I love Arizona. I saw a quote by, uh, by Charles Colson, who, uh, if you remember, for those of us who are old enough to remember Watergate, and Charles Colson did prison time and just uh, was converted and just had this marvelous experience with God. But I, I love what he wrote about the resurrection. Throw that up on the screen. Charles Colson said, I know the resurrection is a fact, and Watergate proved it to me. How? Because 12 men testified that they had seen Jesus raised from the dead. Then they proclaimed that truth. For 40 years, never once denying it. Everyone, uh, every one of them was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. They would not have endured that if it weren't true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep alive for three weeks. And you're telling me that 12 apostles, apostles could keep alive for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. Again, it's not that people don't lie, that people do lie from time to time, but are they willing to die for a lie? In fact, the scriptures tell us it wasn't just the disciples who saw Jesus, that he actually appeared to over 500 people. So if you don't believe it's real, I just want to encourage you, do some research, ask God the honest question, open your heart, and see if it's not real for you. It is historical. But I, it, the resurrection was never meant to simply be a point in history. It wasn't meant to just be historical. It was meant to be personal. And here's the real deal, folks. Not whether or not the resurrection was a place and a time in history, but is it something that has become personal for you? Look at me. Don't miss this. You see, the resurrection doesn't become powerful until it becomes personal. Amen? And Jesus meant it to be personal. He, he, Jesus didn't die and raise from the dead just to say, hey, look what I can do, you know. Uh, he didn't do it just to simply to prove who he was. Jesus Christ died and rose from the dead so that he could alter our lives forever. And that's what we're here to talk about today. I want to talk to you about not just a historical fact of the resurrection. I want to talk about how the personal piece of this resurrection can change you. Are you ready? I want you to look at a, at a passage of scripture with me taken from, Luke, or from Matthew, or let's get the right apostle here. It's from Peter. If I go down the line, it's kind of like when you yell at your kids and you have to go all down the line until you get to the right one. First Peter chapter 1, 
Peter wrote this. He said, praise God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is so good. Amen. God is so good. And by raising Jesus from death, he has given us what, church? Say those two words again. He's given us new life and a what? A hope that lives on. God has done something stored up for you. God has something stored up for you in heaven. Well, it will never decay or be ruined or disappear. Jesus Christ was the living, the living miracle. And you know what? He wants us to be living miracles as well. I want to I want to bring the story of the resurrection home and just help you really apply this truth in a very personal and powerful way. This is going to be a real simple message, but I hope that you'll open your heart and mind to it. Are you ready? What will the resurrection or what can the resurrection mean to you? A few things. Peter gives them to us. Here's the first one. You can have new life. You can have new life. Any of you ever wanted to start over? <laughs> Any ever you ever needed a second chance? Anybody here ever, ever needed to, a, a do-over in your life? Well, that again is what the resurrection was all about. God wants to give us a new life. And he said, well, Steve, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean a couple of things. Here's the first one. Your past can be forgiven. Your past can be forgiven. Come on, it's just us. Let's be honest with each other. How many of you have ever messed up in the past? Yeah. How many of you, come on, honestly, how many of you have done some stuff you hope no one ever finds out about? Yeah. You know, all, all of us have stuff. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And when the Bible says all, that's all of us. But here's the good news. Our past can be forgiven by our Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, the passage of Scripture from Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7, read it out loud with me. He says, for by the blood of Christ, we are set free. That is, our sins are forgiven. How great is the grace of of God. Now I want you to I want you to circle that word great. Because here's the deal. I don't care who you are, what you've done, or how long you've done it. The grace of God is greater than all of your sin. The grace of God is greater than all of your sin. You know when I was when I was camping on this truth this week, and I started thinking about my own life and the stuff that I've done and the stuff that I've needed God to forgive me for. And I started thinking about some of the friends of mine on this journey. Yeah, some of the stuff that they've done, and I mean, God, we have lived such messed up lives in the past that if you were just going to put a picture of it, say, what was your past like? Throw it up on the screen for me. It looks something like this. How many of you go, yep, that's me. Yeah. You know, my, 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 I've got a past that just has this big blot of stuff. And, and as I thought about that, I, I thought about the passage from Isaiah when God was really talking about his heart to see his people forgiven. And in Isaiah, he says, you know, come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be like scarlet, they can be what, church? Anybody know that verse? They can be white as snow. And I was thinking about, man, that's what it used to be. But when the grace of God comes into our life, throw that next picture up, this is what it can look like. You see, the Bible says that when we confess our sin, our God is faithful to forgive us our sin. And he washes us white as snow. But the new life is not just about having that past forgiven. It, it also has some present day implications, and that means that you can live victoriously today. You can live victoriously today. 
Here's where the news goes from being simply good news to great news. Not only is God willing to forgive you for your past, not only is his spirit willing to wash, wash that away, God's spirit can empower you not to go back to where you used to live. You know, there are a lot of us, again, if we took time to do just share testimonies this morning, there are a lot of us who would say, you know, yeah, God not only has forgiven me, man, he has changed the way I live. There have been some of us in this room, I know, if we shared our story, we've been bound by addictions. We've been bound by things that we could never shake free, things that we could never overcome. But then we opened our hearts and life to the resurrecting power of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? He empowered us to do what we couldn't do on our own. That's why I love what Paul said in, in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. Read it with me, church. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me the strength. Yesterday, I, was, uh, I had pulled Facebook open, and I was just glancing at my news feed to see who had posted what yesterday. And had a gal from our church in Phoenix. Her name is Lisa. And I had the privilege of being her pastor for a number of years there. And uh, she shared her story. And it was really cool because yesterday, was the anniversary of her birthday, of her rebirth in Christ. And I just want you to listen to what Lisa shared because this is, so, this is just so powerful. Lisa said, 21 years ago today, I became reborn. I asked Jesus into my life, and he saved me from the pit of hell with substance and drug abuse. God has brought me so far in this new life. I see everything with clarity and joy, and I appreciate every day that he gives me. I'm blessed with my daughter, Alondra, to give me a purpose in this life. And God has given us his unconditional love, and that is everything. God changed my life forever and gave me the love and the tools and the resources to be the best mom, sister, daughter, aunt, friend that I could be. He put people in my life to build me up and show me love. I count my blessings and I thank God every day for saving my life. On this eve of Easter, again, I say thank you, Jesus, for your life, death, and resurrection. You know, when I was reading Lisa's testimony, it brought tears to my eyes. Because here it is, a, a life that, man, to come to God in all your brokenness and say, Lord, can you really forgive me? And God says, yeah, I really can forgive you, but I'll give you one more. I can help you live above all of that. This new life that Christ offers us isn't just an eraser for the past. It's the power to live for him today. Can I take that one step further? And this is, I think, a little harder for us to really step into. But this new life also means that you can have new purpose and meaning in your life. You can have new purpose and meaning in your life. In other words, God can not only forgive your past and give you the strength to live today, God can also give you a new vision for the future and use you in ways that you never even imagined. This is what happened for the Apostle Paul when, when he came to Christ and God not only forgave him, but God said, man, I'm gonna use you as this church planter and apostle for me. And Paul's like, really? And in 1 Timothy chapter one, Paul says, you know what? God considered me trustworthy and he appointed me to serve him even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ. 
Can you imagine someone coming up to Paul before he came to Christ and said, not only are you going to become a Christian convert, you're going to become the greatest preacher of the gospel that the world has ever known. What might God do through you if you really opened yourself up to his resurrecting power? And you say, well, Pastor Steve, that was, that was Paul. That was a long time ago. That's a, that's a great Bible story. But does that kind of stuff happen today? Sure does. In fact, I saw, I had a, I saw a video this week that was shown at the, uh, at the governor's prayer breakfast two months ago here in Oklahoma. And it was sharing about just some of the great things that God is up to here, here in our own state. Throw that picture up on the screen. That's a guy they call Pastor Mac. And uh, Pastor Mac is at the uh, Joseph Hart Correctional Facility here in Oklahoma. He is serving a sentence of life without the possibility of parole. Uh, in his days before he got into prison, he was a drug addict and got into crime and so forth and so on. But then after he came to prison, God began to work in him. And, and again, not only work in his past and not only work in his present day, but God began to give him a vision of how he wanted to use him in prison. Now, here's a guy who's never going to see the free world. But yet God gave him a vision of what he could do through him. And this guy became the pastor of the Joseph Harp Community Church that meets in this correctional facility. Can I show you just a short video clip of what God is up to there? Play that video for me, would you? The day after I got arrested, and those little brown Gideons was in the jail. And uh, I looked at them for a whole day, but uh, I finally picked one up and, and started reading it. I read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and I got to Luke 15, uh, to the prodigal son, and by the time I finished reading the prodigal son, uh, my pillow was wet. I had been crying. I felt like the guy that was coming to the Father, but I didn't know who that was. took two volunteers and a chaplain who saw more in Pastor Mac than the, uh, the drug addict the, and the criminal who showed up there. And so all three of them played a part in uh, pouring the Bible inside of me. It corrected me. Uh, it taught me how to live. They volunteered uh, their time to, to uh, pull something out of a man that he didn't even know he had inside of him. These two volunteers took their time to spend time with him every week for hours upon hours and just let him ask them questions. And so they wanted to vote on uh, getting one guy to preach every Sunday, and the guy selected me. And Pastor Mack was made the first pastor of Joseph Harp Community Church. I prayed and asked, Lord, why me? <laughs> why are you sending me over here? Why I got to do this? Uh, don't you have anybody else? He just kept saying go, and I went. We started loving each other. It started growing. And to hear a DOC official describe it, he said it totally transformed the atmosphere of the yard. I was still using drugs in prison, but the moment I stepped onto that prison yard, I couldn't explain it. It was different. 
used to be one of the most violent yards in the state of Oklahoma. It is now the most sought after yard because the atmosphere is an atmosphere of peace. And that's why we see a lot of incarcerated men in the state of Oklahoma wanting to be a part of Joseph Hart. Let's give God a praise offering, Emmy. You know, again, when I, when I watched this video this last week, I just said, you know, Lord, you are so amazing. A, a God whose grace is great enough to forgive our past. A God who is present in power to help us live victorious lives. And then, in spite of all that we've done, a God who's willing to give us a bright new future and help us live a, not only a whole new way, but help us live with new meaning and purpose in our lives. Everybody look at me. Make eye contact for one second. If you need a new life, it's available to you today through the resurrecting power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? You bet. The second thing that Peter says is, is you can have hope. You can have hope. How many of you could use a little hope in your life? You know, and that's what the resurrection is all about. I don't know what it is that you're dealing with. Don't know what problem you're facing. Don't know what situation you know, you've got you pulling your hair out. I don't know what impossible circumstance you may find yourself in, but here's what I do know. Whenever you and I use the word impossible, listen for a chuckle from heaven. Because God specializes in those kinds of things that we need. God wants to give us hope. In fact, that was his plan from the very beginning. Jeremiah 29, 11. This, this is the heart of God for you and I. Here's what he says. He says, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Read it with me, church. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a, and a hope. Mark chapter 10 Jesus looked at them and he said, you know what, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. Read it with me, church. All things are possible with God. Do you believe that? Do you believe that this God who can raise his son from the dead, do you believe that this God who can do that, that your circumstances are not so impossible for him? You know, last week I was um, I was talking about faith and and how when we take a step of faith the, the incredible things that God can do and uh, Larry McCall Larry's here in this service today he's one of our one of our parishioners here and former pastor and uh, Larry sent me an email and said hey I gotta I gotta share the story with you of what happened. He said I was pastoring in Vancouver Washington it was my very first pastorate. He goes, our refrigerator went out. And, um, and my wife and I had been living out of a Coleman cooler for a few days. Remember those days? And he said, my wife and I had about $50 in the bank to live on for a few weeks. And in the midst of this, he goes, we felt like God was telling us to give that $50 away to someone who we thought might need it. Now, let me just stop there. I don't know why God does things the way he does sometimes. I mean, every once in a while, what seems to be the exact opposite of the way that you ought to do things and the way you ought to think about it, God shows up and says, I want to do, you know, here they need a refrigerator. They got $50 left and God says, oh yeah, and by the way, I want you to give that away too. And he said, so my wife and I prayed for a few days and he said, we finally, he said, we finally came up um, 
Uh, he, no, he said in the midst of it, he, goes, some, he said, we felt like God was telling us to give the $50 away to someone that we thought might need it. He goes, I was trying to tell God that we needed a refrigerator, but he said, give the money away. So we prayed for a couple days, and we finally came up with five families that we thought that could use it. He said, we couldn't narrow it down any further. So on Monday morning, I went to the bank, and I got five $10 bills, and we put them in envelopes, and we mailed them to those five different families anonymously um, and, and sent that to them. He goes, then on Wednesday morning, I received this phone call at the office that went something like this. Hello, pastor. You don't know me. And I don't attend your church, but I live down the street from your church, and I just got a new refrigerator. I have my old one in the garage, and it works fine, but I want to get rid of it. Would you happen to know anyone who needs a refrigerator? Larry said, after I picked the phone up off the floor from dropping it, I said, yes, I think I can find someone. When would it be convenient to pick it up? Now, here's what I want to tell you. God knows your need before you ever ask. And God's power is greater than whatever need that you have. God is a healer. God is a deliverer. God is a provider. And a part of the, the understanding of the resurrection story is this, gang. It doesn't matter what circumstances we're facing in our life. Our God specializes in the impossible. Amen? You bet. I love the passage of scripture there from Psalm 42, 11. And the psalmist says, you know, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? Read it with me. I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. I hope you'll put your hope in him as well. Let me give you one, other, one last thought. The other thing that Peter says that I really want you to take home is this. You can have an eternal future. You can have an eternal future. Does it bother anyone else how much the stuff in our life, how quickly it all deteriorates and, and goes away? What I was thinking about what Peter said in that passage where he says, uh, you know, that God not only gives us a new life and a hope to live on, he says, God has sto something stored up for you in heaven where it will never decay or be ruined or, or disappear. And I started thinking about my own life and just all the stuff that we invest in that just disappears and it goes away. And I think maybe that's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, he said, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal them. Read it with me. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Great story. Some of you may have seen this in the news. Uh, April 1st, there was a guy uh, in England who decided to treat himself to something really, really nice. He wanted to buy his dream car. Throw a picture up on the screen. That's a Ferrari. That's a beautiful car. How many of you say, I'd take that car? Yeah, I'd take the car. I, when I saw this picture of this car, I thought, you know, that would be a great pastor appreciation gift right there. That would, that would, I, I could see me and Wanda just styling in that. You know, kind of. Uh, it's a, just, a, just a beautiful, that car cost $320,000. 
It'd be more than the last three homes I lived in, I think. It's such a beautiful garden. This guy, this guy in England bought this on, on April the 1st. And less than two miles later, throw it up on the screen. $320,000 for a car doesn't even make it two miles before he crashes it. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth because this stuff goes away in a hurry. Amen? It just goes away in a hurry. We need to invest ourselves in things that are going to last forever. Um, even for us. You know, I got my knee replaced back in uh, July 1st and took a while to recover from some of that. And, and uh, I got out, got into some bad habits and you know, I used to exercise regularly and all that kind of stuff. And I gave myself excuses with this new knee why I, I shouldn't, couldn't get out. And then I started blaming it on my grandkids. And before long, I'm sitting in my recliner being a slug and just, you know, kind of watching the weight jump on me as, it, as I was sitting there. And finally, about, about three weeks plus ago, I, I decided, I told Wanda, I said, I, I got to take my health back. Um, you know, I've, I've put on weight. I, I just don't feel good. I, I just really need to do it. And so uh, three weeks ago, I, I started eating healthy. I started exercising again. I started walking the neighborhood. I started going back to the Y and getting on the Stairmaster. And, 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 and just, it felt really, really good. But, but here's what I realized. And I was thinking about this yesterday while I was walking our neighborhood no matter how hard I work, how much weight I lose, or how healthy I become, I'm still going to die. I'm still going to die. You know, my, with my luck, I'm going to hit my ideal weight and then be killed texting while driving or something stupid, you know. And, and I, when I thought about that, I thought, you know, one day, no matter, no matter what you do, no matter how well, you, and, I, and again, I hope you live healthy, and I hope you do that, and I hope you live, and I want to live a long, healthy life with my wife, and I want to travel the world, and I, all these things that I, I want to do, but, but the deal is, at the end of the day, these bodies will finally break down and go away. But we can have an eternal hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at me. I want you to get this. Because one day this body is going to die. But this spirit of Christ within me will never die. And that's something this world can't take away. You know, Jesus had a good friend that, that died. His name was Lazarus. You might remember the story in John 11. And when Jesus got to where Lazarus is at, his sisters, Lazarus' sisters were really distraught. And, and they were, Martha said to him, you know, Jesus, if, if you had been here, you know, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. And Jesus said, I've got some great news for you. Look at this, put that scripture up on the screen for me. Jesus told her, read it with me, church. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who believes in me who believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Look at me. Do you believe this church? Do you believe that when you open your life to the resurrecting power of our Lord Jesus Christ that the end of this life is not the end of the matter? Peter said Christ's resurrection means some incredible things for us. It means we can live a new life. 
It means we can have hope regardless of what we're going through. And even when this life has done its worst, God has a place for us in eternity. Amen. I read a story yesterday of a father who was driving his kids to church on Easter morning. And his little three-year-old in the back, when his dad said something to the boys about, are you excited about Easter morning? The little three-year-old said, well, Daddy, what's Easter? And so his father told him the story. It's, it's about when Jesus came from heaven to earth, and, and then they crucified him, and they, they put him in a grave. He said, but son, three days later, Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and he is alive. And the little three-year-old was just staring with big wide eyes and he leaned forward again and he said, Daddy, is he going to be in church today? (laughs) Yes, he is. That same Jesus Christ who rose from the dead is here this morning. He still lives forever. I want you to just take a moment and just bow your head and close your eyes and I have no idea how you might need this resurrection power in your own life. You may have never committed your life to Jesus Christ. You've never have maybe opened your life up to see what God can do. And if you haven't, this morning, I want to encourage you to do that. You need a new life. God can give you a new life. He can forgive your past. He can give you strength for today that you don't have. And he can give you a new purpose and meaning. You're struggling with circumstances. You don't know what you're going to do. God has a hope for you today. His resurrection promises that. And you too can live for eternity. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed. I don't know what God needs to do in you. But would you do this for me? If this morning you know in your own life you need some of that resurrection power. You need a new life. You need a hope. You need an assurance for eternity. If that's a need for you today, whatever that might be, wherever you are, before I pray, would you just slip your hand up and say, Pastor Steve, that's me. I I need that. I I need some of that resurrection power. I I need that in my life. I need that to touch me right where I am. I need to change. I need victory in my life. I need healing in my life. Let me pray. Oh, Father God, you're an amazing Lord. To think that you would love us enough to send your one and only Son is just beyond our imaginations. But Father, the, the love that he brought and the hope that he gives just takes our breath away today. Lord, we, we stand before you today as people who who need your resurrection power. Lord, you saw the hands that were raised. You know the needs of their lives. You know those of us who were a little too scared to raise a hand, but you were crying out to you of our heart. You know those of us who need a new life, who need forgiveness, who need strength, who need new purpose and meaning. You know those of us, Lord, who are facing circumstances that have us scared to death and we need a hope today. Lord, you know exactly where we are. You know exactly what we're going through. 
And as we cry out to you today, Lord, would you just reach down with your arms? Would you wrap them around us? And would you let the power of your resurrection flow over us? Lord, I I believe that this morning that there are some people who for the very first time in their life, they're opening their heart and they're inviting you in. Your word says that if any man be in Christ, he's a brand new creation. The old is gone. And behold, all things become new. And Father, we pray today that you would allow that resurrection power to live in us. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your power. Thank you for never giving up on us. We give you our lives today. In the precious and powerful name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen.